It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Connor Mills and Joey Madore. From the studios of WATH, this is a sports fan on 970 and 90, 7.1 FM. Connor Mills and Mike alongside Joey Medore on this first day of February, 6.06 o'clock and currently 29 degrees, cloudy, and I think it was snowing last time I was out there. There was some kind of precipitation, uh, but it is a cold one yet again. Joey, long weekend. How are you? Uh, pretty good. I mean, we spent it together. We went out to that game yeah. on Saturday, so... Didn't really get up to, uh, too much of a break from each other. And, of course, we had a lot of sports fans because of, uh, you know, a couple of the teams. Athens, of course, being in quarantine and not having any games. So you haven't had to go out there to cover them, obviously. And, you know, they'll be coming back somewhat soon. I mean, last week they didn't. It was when the quarantine started. But, yeah, it was a pretty good weekend overall. Yeah, I mean, not too bad. Of course, you know, we would have loved to seen a win uh, for Fedhawk and Marietta. It was a 83-70 to 70 loss. Uh, they got it within six points. You know, late in that ball game, they made it fun. Uh, but overall, you know, Marietta just kind of overwhelmed and were very overwhelming from behind the arc. I think they had what 12 first half threes or uh, something like that. They cooled off at the second half, as you'd expect. I mean, you don't really anticipate a team to shoot 24 threes. You know, 12 in the first half, uh, 12 in the second half. Uh, but you know, they piled on the threes, and Federal Hawkins just could not punch back. You know hard enough in that second half to, to come out with either a tie or a win. Well, they gave up 52 points in the first half uh, to a Marietta team that had only averaged 55 in the season uh, in points per game. So throughout the entire game, they almost matched that in the first half, and they had been held to under 50 in the three games prior that they lost. So they just came out shooting hot. Keita, that kid had 27 in the first half. I mean, he just couldn't miss. He only figures with 32 on the day which is still a really good day, but he, obviously he was focused a heck of a lot more on in the second half. But I think he had eight threes in the first half. I mean, everything that that kid threw up was was money. Uh, he just he got into such a shooting rhythm that I don't know if I've seen a kid get that hot from behind the arc in, in the few years I've been watching basketball around here. I mean, just, you know, you've seen teams as a whole shoot like that, but just to have one kid who was just took the game over, I mean, he had half of their points in the first half. And they scored 52. Right. Yeah. And, you know, then they had Munoz come on, and he had a very impressive second half as well. But, yeah, the first half is what did Fedhawk in. I mean, you know, they would drive into the basket and then just kick it to Keeter or, uh, or Munoz, knock down a few threes in that first half. And uh, they were just wide-open looks. And, you know, of course, still give credit to Marietta. They got to make them. And Keita did knock down a couple with a, with a hand in his face. Like I said, the kid was on fire. But there were some pretty... Some pretty open shots there that, you know, just weren't getting emphasized. You see Coach Thompson a couple times during timeouts saying, are we just going to let them, you know, do whatever they want to us all game, or are we going to start playing some defense? And they, they picked it up in the second half, as you mentioned. I mean, they only gave up 28, I guess it would have been. Final, yeah. What was the final score? So uh, 80, 80 to 73. 80, uh, yeah, 80 to 80 no, 73 70. Yeah. So he only gave up well, they gave 31 in the second half compared to 52 in the first half. Um but, yeah, I, you know, it's easy to look at the first. It's very similar to Trimble game. Now, of course, they ended up making this game closer than Trimble game. Uh, it got it down to six in the, uh, at one point in the fourth quarter with like, about six minutes ago. Then the offense went kind of stagnant there throughout the rest of the fourth quarter. But very similar. You know, they got down big early. They made a comeback attempt in the second half. Were able to get it close but just couldn't get all the way back. And, uh, you know, they were only playing with nine guys on Saturday too, so perhaps fatigue came into play. Of course, they're still missing a few guys because of uh, a COVID, COVID situation going on. Uh, they brought Cottrell back, but he didn't really have that big of an impact on the game. Um, Hunter Smith, another great, game for, another great game for him. He dropped 27 in the effort, but just, uh, just not enough. It's going to be tough. I mean, battling back from an 18-point deficit at halftime at any point, especially on the road against a team that was shooting as incredibly well as Marietta. But, I mean, as we said, we talked at halftime. There's no way they're going to stay that hot from the field. So, Fedhawk right. could, could get a chance if they start playing some good defense and uh, turn it into points, which they did for a while. But, yeah, it just wasn't enough in the end. Right. I mean, they gave up those 27 points just in the first quarter. I mean, forget about, you know, first half with the 50, what did you say, 52 or something? 52, 50, yeah. Yeah, 52 points it in the first 52, half. It was 52-34 at halftime. But that first quarter killed them, though. 
You know, I mean, you're, you're down, I think it was 27-16, you know, after the first. You, you can't give up 27 points and, and, you know, continue to give up points. I mean, if you take a look at quarter by quarter, right, you lost the first quarter, you lost the second quarter, you won the third quarter, so you came out of halftime firing, um, but then you also lost the fourth, too. So you made that comeback in the third, <clears throat> but you really just couldn't complete it in the fourth. And whether that be, like you said, you know, whether it be fatigue or whether it be, you know, too much of a mountain to climb in that first quarter. Uh, but, you know, you settle down with the threes. You get a little bit better. Uh, it's not a game that really hurts you too much because that's a Division two opponent. Um, you know, if you're taking a look at divisions, bigger school, smaller school, you know, you're not really expected to beat a bigger school. And plus, they already have a win over Athens this year, uh, which puts them, uh, you know, gives them a, a Division two win. Uh, so I don't even think postseason seeding is going to be an implication. But it's a, a hard-nosed team, and you know what? you got to play the best to beat the best. And uh, while Marietta might not be the best, you know, they are. They were better that day, and they're just going to get better, um, you know, playing better teams like that. Yeah, Marietta's always seemed like, since I've been around, it's been a solid program with some good players. I mean, Munoz in that second half, he started, uh, you know, of course, Fedhawk, the kind of the adjustment was to start coming up on the on the perimeter, not allowing them to take those threes. But Muno is such an athletic guy; he can blow by guys and get to the rim and get fouled and get M ones and all that. And he's a good foul shooter, and I mean, he knocked down a few threes himself. I mean, he finished uh, in twenty plus points as well. Uh, I mean, him and him and Keita, I I think it accounted for like sixty percent of the team's points just between the two of them. Nobody else really had that big of a game for Marietta. Uh, AJ Graham, I mean, he had a couple of big. He made a couple in threes games. in the first half, but that was right. that was it. You didn't hear from him much in the second half. Right. Like I said, I mean, they slowed him down. They started forced a lot of turnovers. The full court press was working for a bit, and then you know they were trapping in the half court like they always do. But you know, when you're playing like that, trying to come back, sometimes you get gassed out, and looks like maybe that's what happened. And then you know, at the end of the game, where it's six point game, you, you know, some of the some of the tough shots that that uh, Fedok was making earlier on weren't falling anymore, and you know. Guys are starting to break free on the press. They were just throwing the ball down the court, easy lay-ins for Marietta. They were allowed them to pull away a little bit at the end there. And also, there was just times where I felt like in that first half, Fedhawk kind of got away from, uh, you know, what they what they do best. They kind of saw that, you know, Marietta was jacking up threes and making them, so they tried to try the mats at themselves. And, uh, you know, sometimes thought they could have moved the ball a little bit more, got a little stagnant offensively, took some questionable threes, and they didn't fall. I mean, I understand that happens, though. Sometimes you just see a team jacking them up, making them like, well, the only way we're going to get back in this thing is if we match them. And uh, if you can't match that, then that's how, you, that's how you get the big deficit that they did. Right. And, you know, Hunter Smith would pull up from deep three, and he made a couple of them. Sure. Yeah, he always I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's his game. He always does that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but unless you're Hunter Smith, you're proven that you can make some of those threes. And, you know, you can develop that. I mean, Federal Hawkins still has a bunch of young guys, uh, you know, that could make an impact not only this year but in the future. Uh, but, you know, take the uh, take the better shot, shot selection, right? And you know what? Again, Marietta was just the better team that day. Um, you know, Federal Hawkins still has a lot of play for uh, and are projected to be, what would be, the number three seed right now. And that all yeah, I mean, that loss isn't going to hurt their standing. No, uh, it, it won't. You know, if anything, it might hurt Athens a little bit because, you know, Marietta beats Fedhawk and then Fedhawk beats Athens. So then... Yeah, but Marietta already beat Athens anyway. Right. Well, that's my point, you know. I mean, you lost to two two teams, one Division two, one Division you know, four. Um, but and then the D2, D2 team beats the D4 team. I don't know how, you know, people are going to take a look at that as we take a look at the postseason rankings and such. Uh, but either way, you know, they just have to continue to get better. Uh, we do know that the game that was originally scheduled for Saturday, uh, the Saturday game against Wellston has been moved up to Wednesday. Uh, so there'll be a game for Federal Hawking Wednesday. Uh, I got to see if we can get it cleared, but we might have a shot to get that game on Power 105. Uh, but stay tuned to social media for, for that information uh, and our website as well newly renovated uh, but yet again uh, you know it kind of helps them a little bit because you don't have all those games bunched up uh, you get to move up that game to a Wednesday um, so what was that what's that date going to be I mean Wednesday is the third uh, so you move it up a couple days and then that breaks up you know the kind of the Wellston South Gallia Waterford uh, all kind of trio within the next you know upcoming weeks uh, so it's a good I think it's a good move Kind of gives them a little bit of a breath in between. 
not a huge breath because they still have a lot of games to make up and play. Um, but, I mean, the shift in the schedule isn't a bad thing in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, they're going to play a lot of basketball down the stretch here no matter, I mean, no matter any way you kind of look look at, look at it. So, I mean, that's just what it's going to be. Like, they've had two quarantines and missed a lot of action, so they got a packed schedule coming down the stretch here. I mean, they got a few few easy ones, Wellston, Galia, Waterford. You do have Trimble again, and then they also got a, a good matchup with Fort Fry and Warren. I mean, they, they you know, they scheduled a tough, a tough one this year being a D4 school. And, uh, I mean, we knew they could handle it. Like we saw it, we already, they already, we already saw them beat Athens earlier this year. But they got some very interesting uh, matchups coming down the stretch here to uh, kind of test their mettle going into the postseason. I mean, these are all teams that they're not going to worry about seeing. Warren's D2, Fort Fry's D3, I believe. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I could check. But either way, you know, these are you know, primarily good schools year in and year out. And I think Warren was just a makeup on the fly. I mean, they, they just kind of put that game out there uh, and made it up later on in the season, which I think is pretty good. You know, trying to play the best teams, get ready for the postseason, because that's, yeah. that's where it's at. And, I mean, like, you could think maybe Warren wouldn't want to because if you lose to a D4 school with the season they're having, maybe it knocks them out of peg. But, luckily for them, the seedings will already be finalized. It's, what, this upcoming Sunday when yeah, the, the boys' ones will come out? Yep, from the 5th all the way until the 7th. Yeah. Uh, so by this weekend, we'll know when the official stats or the official seedings uh, become finalized. So at that point, wins and losses don't really matter. You're just trying to, you know, start to figure out the X's and O's. That way you can hit the ground running in the postseason. Right. I'm taking a look. I'm trying to see if uh, which one Fort Fry is in. Because I did not see them in D3. So my guess is that they are in D4 uh, in the area. Actually, that makes sense. They're D6 in football, so... All right, but I'm, I'm not even seeing them on the D4 right now, too. Going on to the Southeast Ohio preps, take a look at the names. Um, I'll find them. I'll figure out what division they're in. But either way, uh, you know, they're a good team. You know, that they uh, will, will test federal hawking uh, just like how, I mean, you want to be tested at that point of the season. I mean, yeah, test, I would argue that they, uh, <laughs> the underdog in that one is definitely, you know, the. Uh, you know, uh, Fed Hawk. I mean, Warren's a good team. Well, I, obviously, yeah. They've been running through a lot of teams. Uh. I don't know. You can't find Fort Fry, can you, on there? Uh, I don't know if you're looking or not. I'm not not looking. I figured no. uh, you'd be all over it. Well, I, I'm trying to be over it, and then I, I just can't find Fort Fry right now. I don't know where they went or where they, where they are, but either way... Um, Maybe they're not on the uh, Southeast Ohio preps. Maybe not. Either be, way. I mean, there'd be no reason for them not to be. Right. I mean, they're in Southeast Ohio. Um, maybe they're just in a different screenshot because I got the screenshots of Trevor. But, uh, yeah, the update, on. yeah, it's all stayed the same. Trimble's still two. Fedhawk's still three. Currently, Fedhawk would play the winner, and this is all a mock, you know, just a prediction. On uh, You can see these on Southeast Ohio preps. Um under the boys' tab and all that, obviously. But Fedhawk played the winner of Paint Valley versus Southern, and Trimble would play the winner of Green versus Clay. And, of course, at some point, uh, you know, if Federal Hawking and Trimble are able to, you know, continue to win over the teams that they're higher seeded, then they're going to meet each other, and uh, it could potentially be in the district finals, which that would be wild to have, you know, two teams in Athens County playing each other in a district final to uh, get a chance at, you know, getting the region, which looks like it's going to be New Boston on the other side, perhaps. Right, and unless New Boston loses a game, they're, they're probably going to be the one seed. They might even have a little bit of leeway uh, to win or lose a couple games, right? Uh, because you have the Chesapeake loss for, yeah. for Trimble. I mean, me and Michael Roth are talking about it, though. New Boston, I believe he told me all their wins are against teams below 500, and their only loss is to a team above 500. So, right. You know, that might be a little, little, little telling there, but also deep for, you know, I don't know if there's anybody strong enough that can, that can knock him off. But, I, I mean, Roth was telling me he's fairly certain whoever, if Trimble or Fedhawk come out of the other side, that they could beat that team. Really? I mean, Roth has been wrong before, but he's also been right. I mean, I don't know if I was going to take him up on that one uh, you know, football postseason pick. Um, I, but what are, he was enamorated with one team. 
from uh, Division Six or Division Seven. That was seven. It was who played Trimble in the uh, in their second game. It wasn't Peebles, right? It was uh, he had. What the hell? You... No, um, it was. I mean, I, I mean, he had Minford. No, no? wasn't it Burn Union or something? Yeah, Burn Union, and then who? That was, was the it? one he was. That was the team he was. He was high on. He thought okay, Burn he Union was, was really good. Yeah, Trouble was better. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, what was it? Thirty-five something uh, against. I don't know if he predicted a win for Burn Union. I think he tried to say it'd be a good game. I got I mean, he got to hype it up a little bit. Uh, I mean, just imagine the football. I mean, in, in Gloucester next year. I mean, they're going to have a pretty good team. Yeah, I mean, it's basketball season, but you're well, right. true. You're right. I'm, I'm still excited for football next year because speaking of, I mean, yeah. so is Trimble? You know, after what you saw Saturday, now you haven't seen Trimble play, but you've seen the results. Is it a lock? Is Trimble better than Fedhawk? I mean, at this point in time. I mean, at this point in time, with. Uh, Everything said and done. I mean, probably. Uh, at at this point, you know, you have a head-to-head matchup with Trimble over over Fedhawk. Which right? I'll put the caveat: it was Fedhawk's first game back off a off, True. A, off a 14-day break, but right. they did beat him by 19. Right. Yeah, and then um, <clears throat> then you have another loss uh, here to Marietta, which again, I'm I'm not going to hold that too strong against the Lancers because. Yeah, you know, I mean that's a that's a bigger team. You know, it's a little bit, you know, they're not expected to win against a, a bigger team like that. Um, but you know, at this moment of the season, I'd say yes. I mean, I'd, I'd say that Trimble's better than Fedhawk. But you know, the Lancers can turn that around. You do have a home game against Trimble coming up on the twelfth, so we're about twelve, maybe eleven and a half days away uh, from really seeing where they're at. And I'd gauge that game a little bit better than I'd gauge the game. Like you said, coming off the the you know long period of quarantine. Yeah, right. I mean, we'll see. I mean, that that's kind of how it went last year. The game in Gloucester, I believe Trimble won pretty handily, but then it was a tight game uh, when they played in Stewart that Fedhawk ended up winning, and of course that ultimately wound up winning Fedhawk the uh, the TVC Hawking last year because Trimble dropped the game to Southern, I believe, earlier on in the season. Right. But I'll, yeah, this Trimble team is. I don't think it's gonna be a hiccup like that for anybody this year. I mean, it's just those two and. There's a steep fall off after that in the rest of the conference. Well, and it's shocking because I covered Waterford, you know, my first two years here, right? And, and Waterford had, had a pretty a solid good team. team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they still have that Holden Daly kid. And I can't remember the guy, but he always used to just chuck up threes. I don't. He was a um, a senior, I think, when I was a freshman or a, uh, a sophomore at the university. But you know, I, I can't remember his name. All I know is that he used to just throw threes haphazardly. And uh, some would go in, most would not. Uh, but he was still, he was a good ball handler. I, I can't remember his name, but uh, Daly was a uh, freshman. He's worth back mentioning. Well, I, I, again, I, I don't remember everybody on, on Waterford, but I do remember Daly. And uh, they, had, they had another big kid, and he was also a football player. And of course, I can't remember that guy's name either. But You were the lead reporter for the team. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, it was a football kid, and then there was Daly. I didn't know anybody else. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, they're they're a team that you know it was kind of those. I mean, it was them and Trimble, from what I remember, my freshman year, and then last year, Fedhawk, of course, came along. Waterford, kind of the fall off. We didn't really cover Waterford for uh, Hardwood Heroes last year because of some understaffing. But yeah, I mean, those two teams are in the conference. I don't know, you know, how it's going to work out if. Because I don't think it's going to work out for Fedhawk having the same amount of conference games as Trimble just because of the games that they missed. So if Fedhawk were to win that second matchup, they each have one loss, but Trimble has more wins. How are they going to decide? Co-champs. You think so? That's yep. what they're going to do? That's what they're going to do. Share it again? Yep. Well, they didn't share it last year. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's an interesting argument when you if you're Trimble because you say, well, what if Fedhawk slips up and loses somebody else? But All right, but I'm... Um, you what, could just beat them the second time around. What game were they well. missing, though? I mean, have they canceled any conference games yet? or have they, I thought they've just postponed everything. Well, if they both still have conference games to play and Trimble has so many games on them, I don't see how they catch up. That's all. Gotcha. I mean, if they play an equal amount of conference games, right, and then they split the season series at one and one, then they'd be, you know, just co-conference champions, would they not? I know that... I'm saying if it turns out that Fed Hawk has played less conference games 
and okay. beats them, and they have one loss only, then what happens? So you're saying if another game gets postponed and you can't make it up? Yes. And it's not going to really have any conference implications because, you know, it's it's between Trimble and, and Federal Hawking at this point. Right. So, all right, I, I see what you're getting there. Uh, but either way, I, I think if it's close or if it's, you know, they'll probably just do how many losses. You know, just like how, uh, you know, earlier on we were talking about the uh, football team for the Bobcats. You know, we were trying to figure out, you know, conference losses, how many wins, how many losses. Like Ohio would have been in at 2-1. and one. Uh, Either way, you know, they, they needed a couple more games to uh, to make up there. Sure. But uh, my, my assumption would be that if that was, you know, same amount of losses, maybe just not as many wins, they'd probably just go and they split it, right? Then uh, they'd, they'd probably just go with co-conference champions. Uh, but obviously, you know, they're, they're playing for a little bit more this year. And you know, they're two and three seed projected right now in Division Four, and we'll see how far they can go. Uh, we got to take a short break right here on the Sportsman. Your calls and more when we come back. 740-592-6646. It's a Sportsman presented by J&K Contracting on 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. Alexander Kalanis maintains the highest standard of knowledge and ethics when operating as an accountant. He has a degree from Marietta College and over 30 years of experience with firms in Columbus and the multinational firm Accuray Corporation. Kalanis is a certified public accountant and has been a part of the Athens community since 1981 and is with Financial Accounting and Advisory Services located right off Columbus Road. Alexander Kalanis, a proud supporter of Bulldog basketball on 970 and 97.1 FM, WATH. Hi, I'm Kim, and this is Ruth. Please join us every Wednesday morning on 970 WATH to make it happen. It's the Kim and Ruth Show. Well, it's probably not. It's the not the Kim and Ruth Show. It's really. <laughs> I don't know. Tune in to Make It Happen with Kim and Ruth every Wednesday morning at 10:06, and we'll spend time talking about health and wellness topics and all aspects of healthy living. But we know that you're the real expert in your health, so let us help you make it happen Wednesday morning on 970 WATH to make it happen. Get the facts every hour at the top of the hour with CBS News Radio on Classic Hits 97 and 97.1 FM WATH. When there's something strange lurking under your bed, who are you going to call? Dustbusters! Athens Dustbusters are a licensed, bonded, husband and wife team that offer up top-of-the-line janitorial services at great prices, and they serve commercial and residences across Southeast Ohio. As the seasons change, don't worry about the cleanup. Call Athens Dustbusters at 740-541-7113 for a free quote. But don't just take our word about the Athens Dustbusters. Hi, I'm Sam. And I'm John. And we're Athens Dustbusters, and we will bust your dust. Live and local, the sports fan. On 970 WATH. Sportsman 970, 97.1 FM, WATH, and online at WXTQ.com backslash WATH. That the mic alongside Joe Medor, and yeah, I don't know where in the video we got it, but, uh, you know, it was an exciting win for the Bobcats last time out, a 76-75 to 75 win over the Buffalo Bulls. And uh, we got a couple of the uh, the highlight calls from Russ Eisenstein. We'll play it from where the end is because uh, the end was exciting. And uh, yeah, I, I didn't. I was listening to Russ and Rob. I know you were watching it on the uh, ESPNU live stream. I guess. Yep. Um, but I, I heard it before you guys heard it. I mean, I would hear whatever Russ said, and then you know when it was something good for the Bobcats, you know, I'd, I'd hear a cheer about you know 30 seconds after, <laughs> and then. Uh, when it was something negative, then I'd hear you guys be like, "Ah, oh, man. Yeah. So I, I kind of. You, you were the there reaction. when we were watching the game? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was just, I had I had work to do. I was back in the, uh, I was back in the apartment. I don't remember you being there. I was there. I had, uh, obviously, I had the radio on, uh, first off. But, uh, and I had the radio on through the live stream, too. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a, uh, it was a thriller. Another game where they had a halftime lead and you were just hoping they weren't going to blow it. And, uh. Well, 
you know, you can play the clip here, but, you know, obviously right. it happened on Friday. They were able to pull it out, so. Uh, let's see where it is in the clip because uh, it's pulling off of Twitter. Of course, you can find Russ Eisenstein on Twitter, uh, the voice of the Ohio Bobcats at Russ Eisenstein. Um, let's, see, uh, let's see where we're at here. Down the stretch. And Ohio plays a hard second half, overcomes a lot of Buffalo improvement, easy ones there, and Preston, the guys can celebrate. Ended up with a three high on the right. It was Segu, and he had Miles Brown on him, and it was front rim, backboard, off, and Ohio wins. Ohio wins. Ohio wins. 76-75. So there were multiple defensive stands and stops for Ohio to be able to get it done. But this says a lot about where Ohio's at right now, where they can get to, and this is what they needed, and they got it tonight. Yeah, and Buffalo's gotten in their own way some this year. But for Ohio, you look at this at Central, home with Eastern, hopefully get a couple more wins in a row, be winners of five in a row before you play John Gross and Akron on Tuesday, February 9th. Ooh. Fun, huh? Ooh. It's two home games away, and you'd be coming off a 5-0 and if you execute. Ooh. I like that. I just, I got shivers. Thanks for joining us in my home tonight. Ohio wins 76-75 over the University at Buffalo Bulls. This is the Ohio Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. And, of course, that's Russ Eisenstein on the Ohio Learfield IMG College. Is that College. how you say the University at Buffalo Bulls? Yeah, it is. University at Buffalo Bulls. Huh. Uh, and that was their first broadcast gotcha. going from home. So, I mean, I was pretty good too uh but still you know uh again that's uh you know, pulled that off of uh off of russ's twitter uh ohio men's basketball getting the win over buffalo uh 76 75 and yeah i mean they got some momentum going in there's only the top eight teams in the mid-american conference that get to go to the tournament so i mean they have to they had to start getting those wins over the top teams because they were in the middle of the pack right i mean they were middle of the pack they knew they had the talent to go they were ranked, you know, in the preseason at number one, and I think they fell to number two in another preseason poll, whatever it was. Uh, but that's definitely a big-time win for the Bobcats because you get a win that was on a, a, a team with a, you know, above 500 winning percentage. You get uh, some momentum going in and where you have to beat Akron. You know, you're going to have to beat, you know, Miami and Kent State and Akron and Toledo. Those are the teams that are in front of you right there, and you know, getting the win against the Bulls, that puts them behind you. So just got to keep on climbing up the ladder and, and getting the better seed and see where they can go. Yeah, I mean, that was a, that was the one that they uh, they needed that one badly because if you drop another team to a team in the top half of the MAC and it just, the narrative starts to become, well, you know, for as much talent as they have, they just, they can't put it together to beat the to beat the teams they have to. You know, we see them lose to Toledo. We see them lose to Akron. They lost to Kent State. Um the fourth conference losses, uh, Bowling Green as well, where they where they had a double digit lead at halftime, and this game was kind of similar. <laughs> Looking at the end, you know they had a nine point lead in the half, and then Buffalo came out. You knew they were going to fight back, but Ohio was able to weather the storm there and just come up with some big defensive stops down the stretch. I mean, you know, just coming up, they struggled to make free throws to put it to put it away. Uh, they sent Dwight Wilson to the line a couple times, and he was just. He wasn't able to step up and make foul shots in that situation. but uh, And then, of course, Buffalo comes down, makes a layup to make a 75, 74, 40 seconds left. And, uh, you know, just the play as Vanderplas missed the layup, but Wilson redeeming the missed foul shots, coming up with the offensive board and making a layup, making a one-point lead. Then they get a couple stops on defense to uh, to close it out. And, you know, just a big, big victory for, for the Bobcats to come out and Win a game up in Buffalo. You know, Buffalo's been a dominant team over the past few seasons, and, I mean, they've even been able to go on to win games in the NCAA tournament. That's how good they've been. Right. So to be able to come in and, or go out there and get a win against them, that gets the ball rolling now. they got three straight wins in conference. That's something they haven't done all season long. you got a couple easier matchups. I, I saw the Eastern Michigan game got postponed, by the way. J.L. Right. Kervin tweeted that a little bit before the show started. But um, I think he had it, like, earlier today. I think he maybe, had it Maybe even like, that. I just know yeah. that's when I saw it. Um, 10, 10 o'clock, I mean, he, he was tweeting out. Right. Um, either way, yeah. But this, I mean, that that's huge to get that win. Uh, you know, and so many guys stepped up like they needed to. I mean, that's kind of been, you know, you, you your big worry this season was if Preston isn't having his best day, if Vanderplas isn't having his best day, do they have the guns to be able to show up? And, I mean, Preston almost had another triple-double. He had 14-9-9, nine, nine, or excuse me, 14-9-4. Uh, 
Dwight Wilson led the team in scoring 21 points. I mean, that transfer is looking, uh, you know, just better and better as far as the season goes on. Roderick had a big first half, kind of went a little bit quiet in the second half, but he still finished with 17. You get 10 more from McDay. I mean, just to have four guys in double digits, I mean, that's big. And, you know, you didn't get quite the production from Vanderplas, but just it was a good gutsy team win on the road that they really needed. You know, they 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 squandered a, a nine point lead that they took into the break, but they didn't, you know, they didn't fold like we saw last year at times when they would blow leads like that. This is the first time you kind of see this team step up and come up with a with a big win that they really needed. And right, here's the most impressive thing to me, right? You had that big lead, you let it slip in the second half, but you didn't let off the gas pedal, right? I mean, you, you let them crawl back a little bit, a little bit, and then it got into the danger zone, and then you were losing in the game. But then you made the comeback with seconds left. I mean, this is a close win that you needed to get. You know, and this is, it's one thing to go out and blow out teams, right? I mean, they went and had a, a handedly uh, beat Western Michigan. You know, it wasn't really close against Ball State. But this Buffalo win, to get wins, you know, just by one point, two points, you know, kind of toughens you up a little bit as you head throughout the season. And on top of that, you know, like you said, Dwight Wilson has been huge this season, scoring a game-high 21 points and being able to get that winning shot underneath. While the the shot missed, right, because you had to take two shots. Well, the first shot missed, you at least had the confidence underneath that Dwight Wilson could go underneath, clean it up, and put it in uh, with only a couple seconds left. That was huge. That was huge. And that's uh, exactly, like you said, Bobcats, what they needed to do. Yeah, I don't know what your center situation would look like, honestly, if Dwight, if Dwight Wilson wasn't wasn't in this team. But, I mean, he's a, he's a constant, you know, 15, 16 points, going to grab 7 to 12 boards, uh, going to be a force down low. And, I mean, what we haven't even brought up yet, he makes the, the first stop on the one lay-in that looked like Buffalo was going to get an easy look at the rim, and Dwight Wilson stepped up and, you know, kind of redirected that shot a little bit. Then he gets fouled, has a chance, misses the foul shot, but then uh, the three from, I believe, Graves was the one who took it, uh, was off the mark, and Ohio's able to hang on for the victory. I will say, when that three was launched in the air, that was a collective <laughs> uh, holding of the breath, in, uh, in at least in our apartment. I don't know who else was watching the game, but we were watching, or I was watching with our other roommates. Connor was being a, a hobbit in, in his room. but yes, I, Again, I had to work. I mean, I was still listening to the game. I just had the information before you guys, that's all. Yeah, I mean, good for you, but <laughs> you weren't a part of the, the celebration. But, yeah, no, it's a good win, and now you, you got this game against Central Michigan tomorrow. You can't slip up against Central Michigan tomorrow. They got to keep this momentum going. You got to continue to beat the teams that you are better than to still, because, I mean, they can still climb up a few more spots in this thing. I mean, there are a couple of games behind Akron who's in second, but you only have, you know, one less loss than... Kent State only have one less loss than Miami. You beat Miami already head-to-head once. You're going to see Kent State again and Miami again, I believe. So you can make up that ground if they can start to, you know, try to find us some momentum. But as uh, as Rob Cornelius brought up there, that, that after these, well, we don't know what's up with the Eastern Michigan matchup now, but after that Central Michigan game, that rematch with Akron, you know, with Jason Preston back healthy, I believe it's in Ohio at home this time. You know, John Gross coming back, former OU coach when they made that sweet 16 run and made the tournament a few times there. You know, he's done a good job with that Akron program now. I mean, they were the number one seed in the MAC last year, expected to uh, to go to the tournament before, you know, COVID shut everything down. And they're back again this year uh, at second in the conference at 8-2 and two behind Toledo, who's at the top, who's been playing outstanding this year, by the way. If you watch Toledo play, they're a good, they're a good club. But right. So that I mean that's 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 one to circle on the calendar for sure. But you can't overlook this Central Michigan team. You got to be able to you know take care of business. They were able to do that against Western Michigan. It's a long trip out to Central. You know hopefully the guys are well rested. They're forgetting about that big win. Even though you know you want to you want to cherish it because we don't beat Buffalo a lot, especially over the past few years. But it's time to move on and then uh, go get that win at Central. All right, get the win at Central. That's going to be at a four thirty. Uh, five o'clock tip, but you can hear the pregame with Russ and Rob. And um, well, who's their studio host? I, I, I forget the. Uh, it used to be, it was a guy named Jake who used to do the studio hosting. I, th- I think it's now Rob Goldberg, maybe. I don't know. I, I forget who's back at the IMG studios. But either way, uh, that'll be a 4:30 broadcast start on Power 105 tomorrow. 
5 o'clock tip. Uh, a little bit of an earlier start. Central Michigan only with two wins in conference, seven losses. Uh, the 2-10 and ten overall in the season. It's a must-win situation for, or no, it's, uh, they're 6-10. and 6-10 and ten on the season. Northern Illinois is 2-10. But still, I mean, it's a team that's under 500. You need to get this win. Continue to build on that momentum. Get your fourth win in a row and just keep on going. Because then you'll have to have, uh, with Eastern Michigan out, this is the only game this week that you're going to have. So you have a week full of practice, and then you got to get prepared for Akron next Tuesday. Because that will be a big, big game. It'll be a measuring stick for sure. Because, uh, I mean, while this one is a big one to get, you know, you, throughout the game, I could, it just, you just sense this team is better than Buffalo. You know, and the Buffalo has a lot of talent on their team, but Ohio has the more talented roster this year. It's just the fact. That's why they were regarded so highly in the preseason because people knew that they were returning pretty much every starter besides Agbanda. But uh, they add Sears. They're coming on the bench. Miles Brown's another year uh, with experience on the bench. He's played well at times. You know, they, they've got a lot of guys on this team. Uh, you know, four of the five starters started on this team last year. You bring in Wilson from James Madison where he started. They got an experienced team. That's why people thought they would be this good, and they are that good. They are a very talented team. Uh, they're going to be a full strength, And but, you know, if you go and beat at well, again, we got to stretch, can't stretch enough, beat Central Michigan first. Right. But when, if you go and beat Akron, this is kind of the, I feel like that can be the kind of, we've arrived, we're here to stay. We're going to, you know, we're going to be a problem in the MAC tournament. Whoever, you know, if you're Toledo or Kent State, Miami, all these teams in front, don't think you're going to get a cakewalk when you when you play Ohio. The Buffalo win was a nice win. It was a win that you needed to get, and it was a good quality win. If you win against Central Michigan, take care of the work, do the job tomorrow, get the momentum going into Tuesday and win against Akron, that's your statement win of the season. Buffalo was nice, you know, but Buffalo's now passed, right? You get Central Michigan, take care of business. You get Akron on Tuesday, that's your statement win of the season. And then I believe the Bobcats have another game against Toledo. Uh, no, they don't. So they, they don't have Toledo anymore on, on the season, so they don't have a shot at, you know, the number one team in the MAC, but All you right. still have Akron. You can save that one for maybe the MAC championship game up, right. up, up in Cleveland there. Right. You could have another game against them at a later time. But, I mean, the schedule, you know, coming down the stretch, you got Western again, you play Central Michigan again. Then you do got a, a, a pretty tough stretch there, Bowling Green, Buffalo. I don't know how they could possibly play Bowling Green again. That can't be right. But um, no, they, um, ESPN hasn't updated their schedule because yeah, Bowling Green. Uh, yeah, obviously, because yeah. they, they don't play each other three times. In, uh, well, the Bowling Green game that was scheduled for May or no, March good, 5th. Good grief. March 5th game was uh, moved up in the schedule to right, the 20th. Uh, earlier on. Yeah. yeah, so the last game against Kent State. On March second, right, right. That's a that's a pretty darn tough three game stretch to end the season. <laughs> Buffalo, Kent. Bowling Green, Buffalo, Kent State. Yeah. And but Sunday. hey, I mean, it's going to yeah. get you ready for. I mean, you're going to have to be seeing, you know, the best every night in the MAC tournament when it comes to that. So you'll have to. Yeah, it's a um, tough schedule. MAC is not an easy conference whatsoever. Uh, there's a lot of talent. Any team can make a run, but. Uh, you know, the Bobcats are good enough to, to be that team to make that run. But, again, Bobcats tomorrow at 4.30 on Power 105. And you can hear Russ and Rob, of course. And uh, there are no, uh, no game here on ATH. It's, it's nice to be in it at this point because, you yeah. know, the past couple seasons, it's, uh, I don't know, the talk around the, the basketball, the men's team at least, has been kind of gloomy. So. All right. I mean, you ran it last year. You're in it this year. You know. Yeah, were, I wouldn't say they were really in it last year. They I started, thought they were they good started dark... playing better at the end of the year. But... Right. I would have liked their chances against Akron should that game had, had been played. Mm. <laughs> I thought... They were playing good at the end of last that season. That Akron team was really good. I know. But I, I still think that they had a chance. Yeah, and now I mean, we won't know because, obviously, COVID shut everything down. Right. But still, I, I wouldn't be were... surprised the game a game. I think it would have been similar as to some of the other big games they played last year as if they, they just came up short because of, of inexperience. Right. I mean, you went up big at halftime and then lost in the second half. I mean, they were winning, I mean, against Akron at one point. Yeah, and then I believe Akron scored like 60 in the second half. <laughs> yeah, whatever it was. <laughs> but that's, I, again, I thought maybe they could have, you know, maybe held on third time's a try. But either way. 
We'll take a short break on Sportsman. Of course, phone lines are still open at 740-592-6646. It's a Sportsman presented by J&K Contracting at 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H. The always waking up early. Letting the dog outside. Checking emails while listening to the best podcast. Before heading to McDonald's for a hearty breakfast meal. Like now, you can mix and match the hot and savory sausage gravy and biscuit, crispy bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit, or sizzling sausage McMuffin with egg. Get any two for just $4. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Limited time only. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item or regular price. Valid when products served. Start your mornings with Scott Daly from 6 to 12. Hop on the party line from 9 to 10. Join Sky Hope on Classic Caravan from 4 to 6 p.m. And listen into the sports fan at 6.06 on Classic Hits 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial project, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. You're listening to 970 WATH and the Sports Fan. Sportsman 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. Bill Mike along with Joe Medor up until 7 o'clock. And, of course, Sportsman presented by J&K Contracting. As we wrap up the show, of course, phone lines are open at 740-592-6646. You can call in, be a part of it. Uh, you know, the one interesting thing that I found, you know, baseball is starting to get a little bit, the hot stoves get a little bit cold. Uh, he did have the big trade for Nolan Arenado. Arenado moves over to the Cardinals, I believe. Um, yeah, so you have a couple of big trades. Of course, a blockbuster with the Mets and Lindor. Um, you know, a couple other you know trades have been going on. The Reds have been kind of quiet during the offseason. Uh, either way, the one thing that they still have not settled on is what they are planning to do for this upcoming season. Shocker. <laughs> because right now... Yeah, even the uh, the Cactus League or something down in Arizona for spring training, there was a bunch of signed signatures of politicians and people and saying, hey, we would prefer you to postpone it, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and, and right now, you know, if nothing happens, the season is still slated to start on April 1st. But right now, since nothing has happened, it'd still be a full season, 162 games, no DH in the NL, no expanded postseason, no, uh, you know, weird you know, extra inning rule where you put a guy on second base, right? So everything goes back to normal if they don't come to an agreement. But now the collective bargaining agreement at the end of this season will become a play, and we'll start talking about all these things later on. Uh, but as of right now, Major League Baseball proposed to the MLB Players Union and said, all right, what if we do a 154-game season what if we put the DH in the National League? What if we do expanded postseason and still keep the silly extra inning rule with putting a runner on second base? And that, that, again, the, the last one I don't really agree with, but whatever. So they're trying to package this whole thing together and say 154 at full pay and doing all this. But, you know, they're going back and forth as negotiations go. It's becoming a little bit more public as we're getting closer and closer to the start of the Major League Baseball season, or at least spring training. Um, but either way, Joe, I mean, what what do you think? 154 games, NL gets a DH, yeah. span of postseasons, and the in the stupid you know extra inning rule. I mean, it doesn't really matter to me how many games they play. Um, I just know this is going to be a, a this is going to drag on until. <laughs> until they have to report for spring training. Because if you remember how difficult it was for the MLB to figure out how to play last year, I mean, people were starting to worry, if, wonder if there was ever going to be a, a baseball season just because there was just there's nothing could be uh, agreed upon, and eventually they figured it out. They played 60 games and whatnot with the, the DH, expanded playoffs, and uh, the uh, the extra inning rule, which I don't really care about that much. I I don't. I, hate it, I don't but. like watching games that go into the twenty-second inning. So get it over with. Um, and but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with DH. I don't think I don't think pitch pitchers hitting is really I, like. It doesn't happen at any other level of baseball. 
So I don't know why they do it in Major League, in uh, just one half of Major League Baseball. Right. So, yeah, and you were telling me as a National League fan your whole life that you liked having a DH last year. I mean, everybody does. You score more runs. You have a better shot. There's not an automatic out in your lineup. Um, so, but I wouldn't be shocked if this is, uh, this is not going to be this proposal. I would doubt is going to be the one that uh, is the one that goes through. Uh, here's the thing. So I, I see two things happening, right? I see, you know, hopefully the negotiation for the DH, because even though I've been an NL guy, you know, I, I did like the DH. I like the, how the Mets benefited from the designated hitter. And I think the Reds could, could benefit from a designated hitter, too. I mean, you take the pitcher out, and you know, I agree. You know, there's no other baseball in the world that has the, the pitcher hitting except for the National League. Um, you know, all the minor leagues, all, you know, maybe once you get down and you're having an extra hitter down in, uh, you know, Babe Ruth or, uh, you know, Cal Ripken leagues. Yep, the EH. Yeah, I mean, you might have the EH where you're batting 10 or whatever. But, I mean, at that point, you know, you shouldn't specialize the kids, right? They, they, they should be able to play each position. They should be able to hit. They should be able to do whatever they want to do. Um, but when it comes to Major League Baseball, I would hope that the, the number one thing I'd say is DH in the NL. But as of right now, that's probably going to have to get pushed back. Why, why, why are they only cutting out like eight games? See, I don't know. I mean, I don't know why they're, they want to postpone it, right? They want to postpone, give them more time, and try to allow fans to be at the stadium. Uh-huh. It, and I get that, right? But you okay, went. Okay, so what doesn't make sense is you usually, unless the season's extending into longer into uh, October, but usually. It is a little bit. Okay, yeah. well, that makes sense because otherwise, usually it starts the beginning of April anyway. And you're playing, so I don't know how that would only eliminate eight games. But if they're going to push it back into October further, then that makes sense. Um, I don't know how spring training is going to work either. Like, are they really going to send all these teams down to Florida right now, where there's no, really no kind of mask regulations? And uh, you know, they say people go down to like Tampa and things like that. And you know, there's people, uh, people upon people upon people gathering and stuff like that. I don't know how you're going to be able to get through that time unless they have to, you know, quarantine in a hotel or something like that. But can they get every single team in every single area? They got to travel to other different parts of Florida or Arizona, depending on, you know, if you're in the Cactus League. So, I mean, I don't – it's be interesting to see how that all works out. Right. And Plus, with spring training, you have so many guys. I mean, how many guys get invited to spring training? Like 60, right? Right. I mean, but you also have your minor league guys, too. You know, exactly. That's my yeah. point. You get your minor league guys, you get whoever else. Um, here's a thing that, you know, regardless of however these negotiations go, the the people who lose, the players who lose, are the players, right? Because pitchers and catchers usually start before hitters come back. And right now, you don't even know when to start ramping up as a pitcher, right? Which could lead to a couple injuries. It could lead to, you know, being out of whack, like... Uh, and pitchers are superstitious, right, Joey? They have their routine, and if this regular oh, yeah. season is starting on April 1st, on May 1st, they are going to do this, and then they're going to do that, and then they're going to do this. You know, they have everything scheduled out by the day, when they're going to start ramping up, when they're going to start practicing. Yeah, I mean, and you see pitchers and catchers report about midway through February. Right, and you have to just figure out, you know, when are these guys you know, really going to start ramping up? You know, if you're a pitcher, I mean, you, you hate the negotiations because you just want to know when to start. You know, 30 days out from the start of spring training, maybe you start long tossing. I don't know. Maybe you start pitching off a mound. Maybe you're on flat ground. You know, your whole schedule gets out of whack when the schedule is out of whack. But as of right now, you know, pitchers and catchers kind of lose out on this. And I'm hoping that either Major League Baseball or the Players Association says, you know what? We're going to push everything back, and we're just going to say we are not going to come to an agreement this year, which would mean that you get the regular Major League Baseball. You get 162 games. It's disappointing for me, but you don't get the DH in the NL. And you don't get the you know extra inning you know, hitter on or random runner on second base. You know None of the things that changed from last year would transition into this year. And then you have to deal, you have the whole season. If you're the MLB Players Association, you have the whole season to figure out how you want to go into the collective bargaining agreement next year at the conclusion of this season. 
But as of right now, you know, unless you're saying, hey, you know, let's just put the DH in the uh, in the NL, you know, I mean, I, I that's the only thing I'm I'm looking for here because I, I I literally don't care for the extra runner like the, the the putting the guy on second base and extra innings. I don't like that, but I'm good for the DH. Even if you want to expand the postseason, I mean, the only reason why you're doing that is to increase the revenue for Major League Baseball, right? Yep. You get more postseason games. Yeah, you kind of lose. You don't want to wash out the regular season, right? You want you still want some kind of importance on the regular season. So if you expand the postseason, you kind of, you know, lose out on the regular season for the importance of games. Uh, other games become more important than others, right? So either way. So but also the way they did it, having the couple one-game series, you know, I mean, you know, that's kind of like why everybody loves postseason baseball is, you know, every move just means that much more. Right. And you know, it, it puts more emphasis on the postseason, but it subtracts from the regular season. You know, because well, I mean, baseball's you have already the most subtracted. There's 162 games, like literally. All right. But it, when you have that amount of volume of, of regular season games, then you expand the postseason. That just means the regular season becomes even more less relevant so i mean you, you keep the relevance when you have a, a 10 game or a 10 team postseason but as of right now you know if they decide to go to 14 teams in the postseason fine you know almost nearly half the league gets to go in fine you know if you got if you're just going to make that trade-off right the dh the players union says all right we'll concede on the dh because that's what they're using as leverage and then you have, you know, expand a postseason on the other side. That's a two-trade offside go, still keep the 162 games and still move forward. But at this moment, I think it's just going to all go to waste. DH will not be in the National League. And you'll still have You're a You're telling normal... me that you think the MLB is going to tell them to, to shove off? and? <laughs> no, I don't. I think the Major League, I, I think the Players Association will say shove off. Uh-huh. Because, again, if you don't come to an agreement... All the old rules back in 2019 come back. Right. And I'm all right with that. I am. Let them figure out the collective bargaining agreement stuff at the end of next year. But they're trying to leverage too many things. They're trying to solve too many things just for one season. They already figured out how to play during COVID. Right. Well, you still got to worry about that, too, though. Right. I mean, you already figured out last year what the template is for COVID. And, I mean, they were having a guy that had it celebrating with the World Series trophy with everybody else. So I didn't say they did it well. <laughs> but I mean, you made the were, season uh, go all the way until you reached a champion in the World Series. They did. So there's at least some credit to be made there. Yeah, I mean, outside of uh, the Marlins had that big outbreak, but nobody else really did in baseball. The Cardinals yeah, had yeah, the Cardinals, yeah. But no, they, pretty, they kept it pretty much under wraps. Plus the Marlins, you know, somehow benefited from losing half their rosters. <laughs> Well, see, you got the young guys, they have a chance to play. You know, they're playing for something at that point, and you really see what you get. So I, I kind of liked seeing those young Marlin players. Yeah. I didn't even know who they were, they but they were the, playing good baseball. Made the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, that was, uh, who got the um, NL Manager of the Year? Was it Mattingly because of that? I can't remember. I'm fairly it, certain it was Dave Roberts. Was it Roberts? Either way. Mattingly was a was a good candidate for it anyway. That's been the sports fan right here on 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. Don't forget, Bobcats over on Power 105 starting at 4.30 tomorrow. And the Columbus Blue Jackets starting right here at 6.30 tomorrow. For Joey Medor, this is Connor Mills signing off. Thanks for listening in, and we'll talk to you for 30 tomorrow. Our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H.